The enormous diving bell broke the surface with a loud splash. Ben Austin strode around the water's edge, barking orders, a black insulated wetsuit stretched tight across his broad chest. Austin was a marine biologist from Stanford. He was also head of Wilkes Ice Station. All right, hold it there, Austin called to the young technician manning the winch controls on sea deck. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, no time to waste. Get inside. Six wet-suited figures dived into the icy water. They rose a few seconds later inside the big dome-shaped diving bell that now sat half-submerged in the centre of a large round pool that formed the base of Wilkes Ice Station. Five storeys deep, Wilkes was a coastal research station, a giant underground cylinder that had literally been carved into the ice shelf. A series of narrow catwalks and ladders hugged the circumference of the wide vertical cylinder, with doorways leading off into the ice, creating the five levels of the station. Austin shouldered into his scuba gear. It was three hours since the diver's radio link had abruptly cut, amid anxious chatter about strange whistling noises, and now a second team was going down. "'Hey!' Austin turned, Sarah Hensley, one of the paleontologists, came up alongside him. Austin liked Hensley. She was intelligent, practical, and tough. She was also a mother. Her twelve-year-old daughter, Kirsty, had been visiting the station for the past week. "'What is it?' Austin said. "'The topside antenna's taking a beating. The signal isn't getting through. It also looks like there's a solar flare coming in.' "'Oh, shit!' For what it's worth, I've got Abby scanning the military frequencies, but I wouldn't get your hopes up. What about outside? Bad, Hensley said. We've got eighty footers breaking on the cliffs and a hundred knot wind on the surface. If we have casualties, we won't be getting them out of here by ourselves. Austin turned to stare at the diving bell. And Renshaw? He's still shut up in his room. Hensley looked up nervously toward B-Deck. We can't wait any longer, Austin said. We have to go down. Then, she began, don't even think about it, Sarah. Austin walked to the water's edge. I need you up here. So does your kid. You just get that signal out. We'll get the others. Coming to 3,000 feet, Austin's voice crackled from the wall-mounted speakers in the radio room. Roger that. Sarah Hensley said into the microphone in front of her. There doesn't appear to be any activity outside. We're stopping the winch, preparing to leave the diving bell. One kilometre below sea level, the diving bell halted. Inside, Austin keyed the intercom. Control, confirm time at 21.32 hours. The seven divers sitting inside the bell looked tensely at each other. Hensley's voice came over the speaker. Copy, time confirmed at 21.32 hours. Austin looked at the black pool of water lapping against the rim of the diving bell. Then he stepped off the deck and splashed into the darkness. Divers, dive time is 48 minutes. Report. Inside the radio room, behind Sarah, sat Abby Sinclair, the station's resident meteorologist. For the past two hours, Abby had been manning the satellite radio console, trying, without success, to raise an outside frequency. The intercom crackled, 
Austin's voice answered. Control, we're still proceeding up the ice tunnel. Nothing so far. Roger, divers, Hensley said. Keep us informed. Behind her, Abby keyed her talk button again. Calling all frequencies. This is Station 409er, requesting immediate assistance. We have two casualties, possibly fatalities, and we're in need of immediate support. Please acknowledge. Abby released the button and said to herself, Somebody, anybody. The ice tunnel was starting to widen. As the divers slowly made their way upward, they began to notice several strange holes set into the walls on either side of the underwater tunnel. Each hole was perfectly round, at least ten feet in diameter, and they were all set on an incline, so they descended into the ice tunnel. One of the divers aimed his...